Welcome to the PowerCast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. So welcome to another episode of the PowerCast today, and it's an absolute pleasure to have uh, Ben Munch onto the podcast. So if you guys don't know uh, much about Ben, he, uh, funnily enough, it looks very, very much like Thor himself, and having him on also on video stream at the moment is um, very interesting because I can see this resemblance. I bet you get that quite a lot. Uh, guy's got incredible physique, uh, he's an incredible trainer, incredibly knowledgeable and has a very interesting uh, background which we're going to delve into a little bit today. So thank you very much for coming on the show Ben. Thank you very much mate, it's appreciate it. Um, so if anyone doesn't know who you are Ben, do you want to give us a quick run through with some information about yourself and a little bit about your background? Yeah. So I am 30 years old as of last month which is still hard to get my head around to be honest. Uh, I'm from Belfast, oh, mate it's weird. Uh, I'm from Belfast, Northern Ireland. I've been in the fitness industry for nearly 10 years now. Um, the, my path to the fitness industry was a bit strange, I'm, as I'm sure a lot of people's are. I basically wanted to be a director, so I studied for four years in film, got a couple of jobs here in Northern Ireland, and thankfully the, the uh, film industry and TV industry in Northern Ireland is pretty good. So I got working on a couple of projects, um, and then I got working on Game of Thrones, which was like... That was the big project back then. This was before, this is the first season, by the way, so no one really knew what size it was going to get to. Um, but it was upon working on things like that that I realized that I had to change careers completely um, due to the fact that I have cystic fibrosis. So for people who don't know what cystic fibrosis is, it's a genetic condition, so you can't catch it. Um, and it comes from, obviously, both your parents having a CF gene. And the thing is about CF gene is it could be passed along your family for generations and no one actually gets the full copies, you know, both copies of the CF genes. So for instance, I have an older brother. When he was born, nothing. He got one copy of the genes from my parents. Then I was born, I got both copies, which gave me cystic fibrosis. And then my little sister was born and she got just one copy as well. So she didn't have CF. So CF is this, this kind of sneaky illness that can just pop out of nowhere. And CF essentially, uh, the... The way it kind of causes havoc in the body is that it affects the production of mucus within the body. So someone normal like yourself uh, that doesn't have CF, the mucus within your body, which is essentially kind of like oil in a car, keeps everything running smoothly. Every process, every you know conversation the body has with each other, you know, with all the cells, mucus is involved in that and it kind of you know, keeps the pathways open. So yours would be like water, nice, smooth. You know, imagine water in a glass, you swirl around, it moves very freely. Mine and people with cystic fibrosis would be like repla replacing that water with like wallpaper paste or PVA glue. It's going to move, but it's a lot more difficult. Um, and then that basically affects, as I said, nearly every process in the body. It makes everything much more difficult. But the main one it affects is the lungs. So the lungs, obviously, if it, for instance, if you get a chest infection, the bug that gets into your chest because of the viscous nature of the mucus within your body, clears out easily. However, the mucus in our bodies, the bug stays in there and thrives in there and then destroys the lung tissue. I imagine then, the uh, coronavirus situation at the moment, then you'd be considered very high risk. Uh, yeah, I'm on that high risk. Um, in fact, when I heard the, like, the repercussions or the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Symptoms of the coronavirus, I was just like, Oh, that sounds a lot like someone like later on in stages of cystic yeah. fibrosis, not being able to breathe, 
um, yeah, so I'm, I'm on that high risk at the moment. But yeah, CF is a is the kind of driving force behind behind everything I do. You know, it. I would say upon reflecting, it is. It always has been. Um, it's always given me that kind of that push, that fire, that never want to give up attitude that I had. It's always wanting me to prove myself and prove it to others that I'm not you know weak and that I can do everything they can do and sometimes you know better than what they can do because. I have this innate weakness, you know, I'm air quoting on a podcast. I always do that. But, um, I have this weakness that um, should be, you know, causing X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, now nah, let's, let's see what I'm capable of and see what my X, Y, and Z are, you know, with some hard work and some intelligence and, you know, more hard work. What was um, the big pivoting point from when you were obviously in the film industry at Game of Thrones that then made you realize you used to make a change? Because a lot of people, health. that must be a dream career if like, you're in the film industry and you get an opportunity like that. Obviously, it wasn't as big at the time, but... Yeah. Um, it's, you know what? The film industry is not as glamorous as just like the fitness industry as well. It's not, that, it's not as glamorous as people sometimes make it out to be. You know, you get to meet all the actors, you get to meet all the stars and stuff, but you're standing around doing nothing for long periods of time and you have to sort of hear the same lines over and over and over again. So if you like films don't get into the film industry because it ruins them because you hear the same line of dialogue over and over and over again. You're just like, it doesn't even, it doesn't even sound like words anymore. Um, <clears throat> but it was, it was chatting to you. It was funny because I did an article for the Irish news the other day and I kind of went into it in a bit more detail and it was essentially Jason Momoa's fault in a weird kind of, you know, coincidence, but we're shooting a scene and Jason's lines were all in Dothraki, which is not English. And he was struggling and he wanted to get it right. Cause this was like his big, you know, career jump. And, um, he, you know, without, you know, fair play to him looking back on it now, I'd be like, I want to do the same thing. He was trying to just get it right. So he kept doing it over and over again. Um, and that made the day a lot longer. And then that subsequently made me have a chat to one of the extras who was a PT. I was like, what do you do? Like, how do you, have this time off and how you in such good shape. And um, he told me about becoming a personal trainer and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. You get to help people train. I would get to train. And I was noticing my health was suffering. My mental health was suffering. I couldn't eat what I wanted when I wanted. I couldn't train when I wanted. I couldn't sleep because I was up at like 4.30 in the morning and then not getting home until you know 10 o'clock at night. And I was you know, freezing all day. Yeah, it just, it just wasn't a career for me. That's fair enough. I mean, it's one of those things. If you know enough of it's enough, it takes a lot of courage to take action to necessarily change that situation. Because I think a lot of people go through life just making do, and like life shouldn't be about making do and just settling for a second best. You've got to go out and chase yep. whatever your purpose is and what makes you happy and fulfills you. Uh, which obviously, clearly, for you, is fitness and helping people. Yeah, and that that was scary. I remember telling my parents. You know, at the time, I was only twenty, maybe. Yeah. And it was still living with my parents and, you know, I pursued this career for four years and you know, your parents are like, they're just, they just want you to, yeah, to protect you know, you. do the best. Yeah. And especially with my CF as well, my parents are you know, not a lot more protective, but they're just a little bit. And, um, I remember telling them like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, what, like why are you getting such good jobs? Like you're getting these big productions, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, you know, I, I just don't enjoy it anymore. And, 
I didn't tell them it was because of my health because I didn't want them to worry, but I just said, no, I just don't enjoy it anymore. And that's the truth. I didn't enjoy it anymore. Um, because of that, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, how long can I do this for? What happens if I get sick? Does that mean they're going to pass me up on a job because you know, someone else can do it? So yeah, there's a lot of factors that came into it, but um, it wasn't an easy decision by any stretch of the imagination. You know, completely retraining after doing what I thought I'd wanted to do since I was 13. Uh, would you have any advice for someone who's going through that situation? Because obviously the world's a little bit upside down in some respects at the moment. So there's a lot of people going through like pivotal life changes. And I think a lot of people should see this maybe as an opportunity to actually go and pursue what they want to do rather than settling, as we've already said. Um, do you have any advice for anyone who's sort of sitting on the fence with what to do? Yeah. Um, I always say this, like you get one go around. I love that. <laughs> like you do, like, you know, life is, you, know, you can live life and just, and, and kind of just live it and kind of please other people and, and that's it. You know, you're crossed off the list at the end of the day, but that's always been in my mind. You get one go round, and, and, and just looking back in the last decade, how quickly that went past. Like I still remember turning 20, like it was yesterday. I'm like, damn, that time went quick and time only speeds up. You know, it doesn't slow down. Yeah, 100% agree with you that. Like, um, so, you know, you, you do get one go round, and if you muck up a few things, it's fine. Like if you, if you just keep getting up, and you surround yourself with the right people who are going to help you get up when you don't want to, you know, try the things that you, you maybe you're scared of doing because you never know like what is going to be behind that kind of veil of, of fear because I didn't, I thought, yep, yeah, this is me. My career is going to be in the film industry. I worked my way up and then suddenly I was like, Oh crap, I can't do this. And it wasn't because someone else was telling me to stop this. It was me. I, I it was the conversation I had with myself that was like, okay, let's play this out. What would happen if, you know, these, these things that I, I'm pretty sure are going to happen, you know, me getting sick, me getting looked over on jobs because I'm too sick to, to work them. Where am I going to where am I going to end up? I was like, okay, so what do I actually enjoy and what could I see myself doing for a long time? But not only a long time, but you know, a good time because as I said, like you do only get one go around on this thing and you may as well do the stuff that you enjoy. And even if people are like, why the hell are you doing that? Screw him. You know, the, the, the opinions of other people are only as, as grand as you make them to be. And they only affect you if you allow them. 100% agree with that. And something I've talked about a lot is when I first started doing what I, was, what I do now, like I got a lot of uh, flack and resistance initially from yep. people being like, why is Charlie doing this? Why is he posting photos of himself on the internet? Who does he think he is? He's married, he should be doing these things. And I imagine you've probably had some of these similar conversations yourself. And if I had let those people affect me, I wouldn't now have the opportunity to do what I do and like transform thousands of lives. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. Like, and that would have literally led me to not leading the life that I want of happiness and fulfillment because of other people's narrow-mindedness and opinions. Uh, did you experience much of that? A little bit. I mean, you'll always, if you look for it, you'll find it. Yeah. If you look for those, you know, I had a literally, I don't get much hate. Again, America wouldn't. I don't get much of that. Um, <clears throat> don't know why, but I just, I don't really get, you know, a huge amount of, you know, um, negative energy directed towards me. But in the last couple of days I, I have because of some, you know, people bringing their emotions into something that I've said, you know, which they obviously that, that's the thing. 
people will always bring their own emotions to a statement and give it life that it didn't what, what actually have. What statement do you mind me asking? So I basically said that CF is like fire, and obviously fire can be an extremely destructive force, but it can also be used as a source of motivation and energy. And how you perceive that fire is ultimately what's going to, you know, determine the outcome of your life. Now, a lot of people, now that was a very general statement. I've always said, you know, there's certain things you can control. There's certain variables you can control in life. And then there's others that you just can't. Cystic fibrosis is one that you can, you can just like everything, you can only control the things that you can control. So that's the things you put in your mouth. That's the things you do in terms of everyday, you know, habits, whether positive or negative. They're taking your treatments and they're getting the right amount of recovery. Those are the things that you can control. I don't care what other people say. Like, oh, you can't control what you put in your mouth if you're, you know, this is one of the arguments that's brought to me. If you're in poverty. Yeah, but if you're in poverty, you're not going to be reading my Instagram, are you? Like, <laughs> Touche, my friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and, You've got you other know, priorities at the time, then yeah. Yeah, if you're in priority, get off Instagram and you know, try and do, do what you can. Again, control the variables that you can control. But anyway, I got a bit of a backlash on that. Bear in mind that this was an excerpt from, it was from the insider, this one. And it was the, the article was the top, top 10 influencers who are open about their conditions. And I was, I was I listed among, yeah, like I was listed among some incredible people. But unfortunately people, again, within the CF community took that to be me saying that you can completely control cystic fibrosis if you train like me and you eat like me. And I was like, I'd never said that. It's taken out of context. Yeah, it was a 60 minute chat where I said, you know, there's a huge spectrum of cystic fibrosis. Like there's a huge spectrum of normal people. You know, the, the, the example I always use is like, I guarantee you know someone who is always sick. They've always got a cold. They've always got the thing that's going around. They just get it every time. The, that's the same with cystic fibrosis. Just your genetics will massively play a part in it because it's a genetic illness. But the thing that people attack me on was saying like, oh, you're generalizing and you're, you're not giving, you're not portraying the, the correct image of cystic fibrosis. You're just lucky. And I was like, <clears throat> I basically bit on that, which I shouldn't have, but I did because I got annoyed. I was just like, everyone's putting everything I put, you know, all my hard work, everything, all the results I get down to luck, which is essentially magic. That, that for me is probably the most, I'll be the same thing that triggers me more than anything when anyone says to you, you're lucky. And like the people who say that are always very respectfully naive and fairly uh, and ignorant. And yep. in reality, like there's a saying I love and that's you make your own luck. Like people don't see, like for example, last two weeks I've been up at five o'clock in the morning to start doing work and I work at home. Like people don't see the reality of that. They might just see you and me dancing around on Instagram with our top off, but they don't actually, and think we just work out and take photos. They don't see what actually else we do to help people. And the okay, reality yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what they're saying. And, you know, you don't document every single workout. You don't document every single meal. You don't document every single conversation that you have in your head because you couldn't. And, you know, that, that's, the, that's the thing everyone's skipping out on. And, and I genuinely don't believe the only thing I think I've been air quotes lucky in in getting is being born in the country I was born in with the healthcare system we have when it comes to cystic fibrosis. That's one but thing. That's one variable I have zero control over. And then the other thing I would say I've been lucky for was the fact that I got my parents as my parents. I didn't get to choose that. I didn't get to choose how my parents treated me growing up and how they adapted and responded to my cystic fibrosis. I have zero control over that.
So those are the two aspects of my life where I've been like, okay, that was just air quotes luck. You know, I don't know the odds of being born in this country and all those things, but you know, those are the things I have, have no control over. Um, so yeah, I bet on that. I bet on that and I, I had some discussions with people. And the, the unfortunate thing is people with cystic fibrosis as well, who were kind of um, having issues with my statement. But like, and again, this is with all respect to those individuals, I'm sure you would agree that they, people like that only tend to lash out because of their own insecurities and they're unhappy with where they're at. And they're actually, yes. instead of actually like, they're actually reaching out for help in reality rather than like lashing out, but it's just come yeah. across the wrong way in terms of how they've communicated it. Yeah, and I always try to be calm, and I, I know that because whilst I would love to just say, go f- yourself, <laughs> I don't because I know that, you know, for instance, I put myself in their shoes, and I'm like, okay, if I read something online that I strongly disagree with, I will ignore it. I'll be like, whatever. Yeah. Fine, cool. The amount of emotions I would need to be taking to something to actually act upon it and attack that person, I would need to be in a very vulnerable and, and very emotionally driven state to do that so that's what i always think i was like this person is not just throwing hate for the fact you know, that they they want to um they're in a position where i've clearly upset them to a pretty powerful degree um so yeah i always kind of have to take that into into context and make sure i respond appropriately so which is difficult yeah sometimes just learning to bite your tongue and learning it's one of these things that you're very grounded intelligent guy you on you know as well that's this that saying if there's nothing positive to say then just say nothing so, at all. so I just yeah. leave that mm-hmm. now coming back a little bit back, back to yourself ben in your own sort of training around cystic fibrosis did you have anything you challenge you found challenging initially in terms of overcoming that from any aspects from nutrition to training or anything you, you really struggled with or anything you've learned massively in your last 10 10 years as a pt a lot there, yeah. Um, so this is the, you know, I get this question all the time. Um, you know, is there anything you struggle with or, you know, what's it like training with CF? And the honest answer is, and it sounds boring, but I, I don't know what it's like to not have CF. It's just normality. So, yeah, you know, the, the, the thing I always say to someone like, you know, whenever I get asked that question or, or something similar to it, I'm like, well, do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah. Yeah. So what's it like being an only child? you can't you can't relate to it because you have yeah you have no yeah and it's you know it's a great question because it, it, it kind of it puts that into perspective that you only know what you know and that's relatable to everybody you know it's you you can only speak from your own experiences and that's all i can speak to and obviously there were some limitations that people perceived that i had that i would then try my best to break you know, so I started going to the gym with my friends. Uh, well, I started going to the gym whenever my dad bought me and my brother a multi-gym kit, but I started then training with my friends in the university. And at no point did I feel like I was weaker than them, you know, less than them, less fit than them, because I did everything they did. You know, I might not have been as big as them because I really struggled to put on weight because, again, with issues with cystic fibrosis. And then on top of that, my genetics both of my parents are quite lean so that plays into it as well um but i never felt like i was lesser than them or you know i struggled more than them i saw them struggle i struggled some of them were stronger than me some of them weren't as strong as me you know things like that but in terms of what i learned about cystic fibrosis is the importance of recovery 
And again, I think that's a hugely understated section of the fitness industry that's not really talked about. Everyone talks about the training and the nutrition, but I think the third kind of pillar, as it were, is recovery because as you know, you know, you're clearly an intelligent guy. You know what you're talking about. Like you can only train as hard as you can recover from that training. And you can only progress if you're recovering sufficiently from the, the amount of stress that you're placing upon your body from training. And me growing up, I sleep a lot. And I always have. And I, th- I put it down to not laziness because I used to think, oh, I'm just lazy. And that's the kind of mindset that was kind of pushed into me. Unfortunately, by my parents, because my dad was in the military. My mom was a nurse. They're used to getting up with the crowd on. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it made me feel guilty for sleeping as much as I did, but I then realized, I was like, oh, okay, I connected the my health to my ability to sleep and recover. And I was like, okay, so I'm maybe going to have to sleep a little bit more than the average person in order for me to do what the average person does every day. Or, you know, I say average, not, I wouldn't classify myself as an average person in terms of the, the workload I do in terms of the gym, but um, that's the one thing I learned from having CF, you know, okay, I have to be a little bit more careful with how hard I push myself. But then on the same thing, I need to, you know, I need to recover as equally as I, as hard as I push myself, which I do, I I push myself pretty hard. And I think that's again, like the, I think a lot of people who tend to be slightly newer to, the, to training tend to really overlook that. And I give the analogy of like digging a hole. So basically you're, when you're training, you're almost like digging a hole and the recovery is filling it in and you have to be able to fill the hole back in by the time you come to train again. And most people haven't even scratched the surface of getting near, but near filling the hole in they're trying to go again. Um, when in reality, all they're going to do is just completely burn themselves out and go absolutely nowhere, which then comes back yeah. to like training smart. You can actually do less more effectively and get better results and feel better. Yeah. That's again, that's a huge thing I've learned is it's always for the gym. It's always quality over quantity. And that's something I learned. Like I, my sessions used to last for like two hours. And I was just like, ah, oh. and then you know what it was? It was actually, I say it was my CF. It was getting a dog. It was getting my, my puppy, um, Ollie. And he's like the greatest thing in the world to me other than my wife, of course. Have to say that, yeah, you um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> but it was upon getting him that I realized ah, I can't really train for like two hours. Is when I was PTing in the gym, and, and you know, we got the dog on the fact that you know my wife was working full time at the time, and I was in the gym, and I was like, oh, well, I can just you know, I'm, I'm I can just pop home and, and take him out for a walk and, and hang out with him for a bit, and then go back to work again. And then I realized, well, if I'm working with you know five clients in a row then I'm training for two hours at seven hours by himself. That's not fair. So I learned how to shorten and adapt my training. And then I started realizing, oh, I'm actually making the exact same progress with a much smaller amount of, again, workload. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of what changed it. And then I have not looked back since then. Like I hate being in the gym for more than an hour and a half. Like I would, I'd rather just get in, get what I need to get done and then get out again. I'm very much the same with that. And that's um, where my mentality has probably changed a lot that recently. Where, like we're talking about recovery. I was struggling to recover a lot earlier in the year because my travel schedule was very hectic. I needed like 14 flights in about three months. And I kept getting to the point where I was just getting really burnt out. So I have to take like four days off. And every time I took four days off, I'd look a million times better. My body feeling amazing. And I was like, this is probably a sign here that I probably need to cut back training. So now I do one day on, one day off. And 
I improve faster, I recover better, and it's a huge amount more time efficient. And I feel less stressed and anxiety because I'm not chasing myself as much. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I, I adapted a full body split. Yeah. Um, which is now a five day full body split, which sounds ridiculous. Um, you know, in the principle, like the full body should be something that you take, you know, it should be a day on, day off, day on, day off. But the volume that I'm hitting each muscle group at is not anything like what you would hit if you were doing a, you know, a back day or a chest day or a leg day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so intelligent and the progress I've made from it has been incredible. And I love the sessions because, you know, there's some, there's some days that I like less than others. And there's some days that I can motivate myself you know, better for others. Whereas, you know, for instance, a leg day, you know, they are sometimes hard to motivate yourself to do. Like they just are. Some days I absolutely love them and I'm like, yep, cool. Let's go do it. But others you're just like, oh, it's just, let's just do a bit of body or some, you know, some back or chest or something or some shoulders. Whereas this I'm hitting legs, you know, five times, a, five times a week, but only one set or maybe two sets per day. So it doesn't seem like an overwhelming feat of getting into do legs, which is, it's nice. It kind of breaks it down for me. Um, but I'm thoroughly enjoying that. I, uh, I tried a style of training for a little while, actually, uh, through, I don't know if you've heard of the podcast as well. There's a guy called Scott Stevenson. So he does a, a training system he calls fortitude training, where essentially you essentially train everything uh, four times a week. And it's like two days of like just muscle rounds. It's almost just like pump work and you just do one exercise per body part. And yep. the other two is like one's like heavier upper body loading and then lower, like lighter weight, higher reps and like lower body and like alternating that. And that I find is a, it's a really good strategy and it's quite fun just doing more different exercises and more variety rather than like, for me, I don't feel the same, Ben, I get bored when I do like, if someone puts four sets or something down on a workout, I'm just like, I'm bored after two, like most of the time. Same, same. I'd rather kill it after two than do next. Like. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I am... I, most of my programming, I have like three sets for this for myself. I'll have three sets, and then depending on how much I'm enjoying the set, I'll maybe add in a fourth. And I'm like, eh, I'll do it. For, I'm enjoying this. I'll do the extra the extra set. But I do try to keep things varied because, as as you know, like the most important thing to any training plan is adherence. And you need to enjoy it. And you need to be able to stick to it. Otherwise, it's pointless. It's like the first thing I teach all my clients. Like, if you can't stick to this. Tell me straight away. Yeah, it's pointless. The um, that comes down to as well, like why I've never been a massive fan of like progressive overload training purely of like people doing the same workout every week. I'd literally, I'd lose my marbles. The same with like powerlifting, like huge respect for people to do it, but like I couldn't think of anything worse than just going in and doing like the same exercises every week. It just, I get bored. Yep. I, uh, my, my gym that I go to is, is a big powerlifting gym and Again, respect for what they do. That's cool. They clearly enjoy it. And I'm never going to never gonna say anything bad about, you know, you enjoying exercise. I will never critique anyone for, for doing any form of exercise. But it's not my cup of tea <clears throat> at all. Doing like one rep and being like, right, that's me done. I'm going to sit around for 15 minutes and then do two reps of something. And I was just like, nah, I couldn't do that. It's, uh, it'd be a struggle for sure. I get the impression in terms of personality, you're probably quite similar to me that I, I find I have to, I actually have to put a, like a stopwatch down to slow myself down between sets because I tend to go too fast. Yeah. So I want to go again in like 30 seconds. And I know like in reality, like you need to leave it a little bit more than that. Not rushing. Yeah. Like yeah. 
because uh, I know it's a big drop off for me strength wise if I ha- if I add in like an extra forty five seconds rest, my strength is a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's something I learned as well. Like, <clears throat> I have a I do all my planning through an app, which yes. is what all my clients get, and I now purposely am like, right, I need to stick to these times because I'm you, you're just like me. I was just like, okay, I'm good, let's go. And then you realize, oh, I actually probably wasn't ready to go. Like the first four reps, you're like, easy. ATP system's kicking in and you're just like, easy. And then you're like, oh. That's failure. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there we go. Should have should have rested a little bit longer. But I just, I end up just like pacing around the gym. One of the big things I say, like, and I, it's just something I've always done is I never, I try to not sit down when I'm in the gym. Same. Even if I'm on a lap pull down and I'm, you know, waiting for the next set or I'm on a seated row or whatever, I'll like get up and move around because... Just that, that little bit extra, that, and that's one of those things. That, that's the thing that I think so many people overlook, and something that Adam and I talk about a lot on our podcast is like it's the simple things that are just so overlooked because they're like, I, I couldn't work. Like that, that, that's too, that's too simple to work. It's like, yeah, but give it a go, and you'll see. Like it's ultimately the, the results of where you are today and where I am today is not from anything ridiculously grand, or it's not just like one thing we've done. It's those all those little things that we've done that are air quotes boring and dull just doing them over and over and over and over again so they compound to then give us the result that we get today which is where we're at what's what's very interesting what you said there is that i do that all the time and i don't even realize i do it i just can't set the machine so i'll get up and i'll just not dance pace. But I'm, yeah pace a pace because yeah. i just go and i just like feel like i want to be hyped up so like if i'm sitting there just waiting I feel like my energy is just dropping off and just enthusiasm and it's just that's why sports yeah i used to play a lot of rugby and stuff like that so that's why that's where it comes from yeah i find that that's the common theme but i I can tell i used to live when i used to do one-to-one pting i could tell who had a sporting background judging by their sets what they did in between sets because the people who had a sporting background in between sets they would stand up straight away and they just move around or they, they just don't sit still and I think that comes from the sporting background of whenever you're playing sports, if you're standing still doing nothing, your coach or someone will be like, move, like move respond to what's happening. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's anyway, I don't know how accurate that is, but that's my assessment from it anyway. I imagine there's a lot of, uh, a lot of truth in that to be fair, but I think, I don't know how much difference it makes physiologically, but like from my point of view as well, I thought moving around actually would help anyway, because you're getting more blood flow, moving blood flow, like, everything's just open. You can be a bit breathe bread if you're standing up and sitting down. Um, exactly. Logically, it makes complete sense. And it's, again, like I think a lot of the time, like logic tends to rule for most things when it comes to fitness, uh, with yeah. nutritional training, like most of it's fairly obvious when you actually break things down. Yeah. But I think that people look at it as, oh, that's way too obvious. That couldn't possibly, you know, that couldn't possibly get me where I want to go. Cause it's, it's just, of course that's the way it is. So the problem is that people always are looking for this magic formula, this magic pill. They think, okay, this is it's this one thing I haven't been doing that's going to get me to where I want to be. It's not all these kind of boring things that I already know. It's not putting those into practice because that's just ridiculous. Which is and it's those like kind of those, those basic <clears throat> things that people overlook, like breathing, sleep, recovery, stress management, hydration. They're not the sexy, glamorous like. Yep. Fat burner pre-workout. Everyone wants to go like spank all their money on. When in yep. reality, they just need something which is, as you said, like easy and enjoyable, and simple to follow, and something they can execute well. Because 
execution of a program is the key to success, not something that's overly complicated and glamorous. Uh, it's yeah. what you stick to and adhere to that you enjoy, which will define your results essentially. That's the, I agree completely. That's the hardest thing about coaches who know what they're doing. It's, it's hard to sell what we're doing because it's not sexy. It's not marketable. It's just, okay, how do you get those results? Oh, I did this consistently for a long period of time. Oh, okay then. It's like, you know, people ask me like, oh, how did you get in the shape you're in? I was like, well, I've been training for 14 years. I've barely missed a day. You know, are my sessions, do any of them stand out as being particular, you know, particularly incredible? No, they're just consistent. You know, and it's just that consistency that's going to get you where you want to be. But people don't want to hear that. People want to hear like, how do I get to where you are in 12 weeks? <laughs> um, you, you won't. And it's that expression like Rome wasn't built in a day. And so it's the same thing I try to explain to everyone is like, you have to go through phases of everything. So like this coronavirus crap at the moment is a phase of society, humanity, whatever you want to call it. And like this will pass as will like the phase you're in at the moment with your own training nutrition is a phase and you move into the next phase. And then you just like build these wins consistently and stack them upon each other and then go from there. And I imagine it's the same with yourself where obviously you went into became a PT, became successful with that. And with your own training and building your own physique, you just stack those wins on top of each other and then it builds confidence and success. Yeah, 100%. That's, again, I think I mentioned this the other day, like to get to where you need to be, like it is about those little mini wins and then and taking time to appreciate them because they all just, they do stack up. You know, there's like building blocks and that's, it's hard to, you know, people just see where you're at. They just see the top. They don't see all the little layers that got you to where, you know, that put you at the top. Um, you know, for instance, the little things, I've said this to one of my clients the other day. Someone said to her, she was, she's a nurse actually, so shout out to her. She's a nurse out in America. She's helping people um, with corona and stuff. But someone, one of the nurses who she hasn't worked with for a while, commented on how she looked strong. And that he wanted, he wanted to arm wrestle her after. <laughs> and I was like, it's little things like that. What is it with Americans and arm wrestling as well? I don't understand that. Uh, I know, yeah. There's, it's no test of strength whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I was like, it's little moments like that that you need to like really yeah. celebrate. Cool. Yeah, and you're just like that because that's it's little moments like that. It's like I remember the first time, you know, putting on a medium shirt instead of a small shirt. And I was just like, whoa, okay, this is cool. You know, I don't have to show serious. <laughs> yeah. And then now I'm like, okay, I can actually wear like, this is an XL shirt. And I'm just like, huh, that still blows my mind. And I think you always need to, you know, cast yourself back to where you used to be to then appreciate where you were because, and that's something I've been, I'd say I've been very fortunate in being able to maintain all the time. Like I still look, I still walk past myself in the mirror and be like, whoa. I, the, the 15 year old self can still see, you know, still has the vision of, of, of myself. You know, I look at myself and go, wow, like, well done. Like, cause I said this the other day as well. You feel, it feels like you can't congratulate yourself on hard work anymore because people are saying, are you arrogant? It's like, yeah, it's like an artist standing back at the end of it, you know, doing a masterpiece. Not that I'm saying my body's a masterpiece, but like, it's like an artist stepping back after working his ass off. And being like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this. No one's going to come along and be like, you arrogant prick. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, they've seen the hard work that's gone into creating whatever, you know, piece they've created, you know, Sistine Chapel or something. I guarantee that whatever that was done, they, they stepped back and went, whoa. 
that is incredible. And the artist was it Da Vinci, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Step back and went, yeah, this is quite good. No one went, shut up, you arrogant prick. Like, you can't say that. Like, yeah, stop shutting off. Yeah, it's like, it's ridiculous. But, you know, I am proud of what I've done because it's, I've, you know, I was there for the entire journey and I've seen what went into it. And I think people need to be able to be proud of what they've achieved, regardless of how small or big it is. I think we need to kind of take back that, that sense of pride um, that you should get from, from certain achievements. 100%. I think it's one of those things that people often don't celebrate enough anything. And that's why one of the things I've started doing recently is using a journal to start every day and at the end of every day so I can tick off what I've done that day. Because like being open and honest, I tend to give myself a bit of a hard time about not progressing with stuff quickly enough. And then yeah. at the end of the day, I look and I'm like, shit, I've done all this stuff. And then you look back through the week and you're like, Jesus, I've actually done a huge amount. Whereas I feel like I haven't been that productive. Um, yeah. So I think that's a very good thing for a lot of people because maybe writing out like what you did at the start of the day and what you've accomplished. That's your list. Yeah. My life is Yep. Like I have a, I, in my notes on my phone, start of every day or at the end of each day, I'll write what I want to achieve at the end of the day. And it could be as simple as, you know, do my training, do my cardio, do this podcast, you know, things that are yeah. realistically easy ticks. But then you look back and you're like, okay, I just did all those consistent things, you know, that, that I've been doing for so long. And it does really, really help. In terms of, obviously, Mitch, there it has your own uh, training cardio. I mean, what are you doing in the uh, current lockdown situation? I saw a very glamorous photo of you and the salt bike out in the sun. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I, I had, I don't know, people are, people are laughing and being like, did you like prophesize this? I was like, no, no, I did not. But I basically wanted to set up a home gym. I moved into this house with my wife November last year. And as soon as I saw the garage, I was like, that's a gym. Don't care what anyone else says, that's a gym. And I, that was the first thing I wanted to do. I was like, right, this is the first room that's going to get done. I'm going to get the rack in there. I'm going to get the barbell, going to get the salt bike and hopefully some cables at some point. So luckily I have had, I have everything that I really need. Obviously you could always do something else, but I have all the tools that I need for my own training at the moment. Um, so I've got the cables done there. I've got the rack, like 170 kilos in the bar, which is, you know, more than enough for me at the moment. Um, and then cardio, I'm just doing a bit of extra cardio because I'm not moving around as much. You know, I, t I try to take Ollie out, but my wife does that for me because of the whole, you know, I shouldn't really be out. Um, but the walks we go on, very open. If you see someone, you can see them from, you know, 100 meters away. Yeah. You stay clear of them. Um, but realistically, that's not every day. So I have to then keep my cardio up. So I'm doing, I think, what have I committed to doing? I think I'm doing about 100 and, it works at about 140 kilometers on the bike a week. Um, and I break that up however I want to, whether it's 10 on one day, 30 on the next. I'd accidentally did 30 on, on Saturday there or Friday, whatever day it was, because I set it to 20, 20 miles instead of 20 kilometers. Jesus. <clears throat> I was like halfway through, I was like, what the? Why is this taking so long? Like, what am I doing? And I was like, I was like, ah, oh, it's a miles. And again, how long did it take? But seventy minutes. Yeah. So it was, it was a very relaxed pace. It was not. This is not a you know trying to bust my ass. It's just a nice, steady state, enjoyable. You know, I'm sweating a lot by the end of it, but it's just kind of it's kind of the supplement like or to kind of replace what I would be doing if I went for like a walk with Ollie. Um, yeah, that was nice. And I was like stubborn. I'm typically stubborn. I worked out how many, you know, kilometers was in that 20 miles. I was like, it's, okay, it's 32. 
And there is that little small, small part of my mind was like, okay, so how many miles would it be to equate to 20 kilometers? Shall I just stop there? And then the other part of me was just like, don't be a bitch. Just yeah, get I it know. done. <laughs> yeah, just, just get it done. Like, you know, what else are you doing? You're sitting out in the sun, you know, you can just chill on your phone and, and watch some videos, just relax and then get it done. So it is. It's nice. It's good. It's, um, have you found that this situation led you to create any new habits on a daily basis or do anything differently? Like, as I said, like, I find this is a great opportunity at the moment to try and do different things and develop slightly different habits. And like one of the things I mentioned earlier is I've been trying to get up much earlier in the morning to start work to create more time for myself in the day to have more time with my wife, less stress and anxiety and, and those sort of things. And I've also started a lot more cooking, which is fun. Uh, have you had anything else that you've just done, Ben? The, the cardio was one because uh, I didn't typically do much, you know, cardio because my sessions, you know, you know that you don't technically need cardio to get a good cardiovascular state because if your training's at that intensity, you know, you sit up after some sets, you're, you're gassed. So that's what I heavily re relied on. But my chest has been a little bit worse recently. So I was like, right, I'm, I'm going to have to step in and again, control the variables that I can control, which is doing cardio. If I, that, if I you do it improves your your chest situation. Yeah, it just it forces me to breathe a little bit more deeply. It, it opens up airways and um, yeah, it's massively beneficial. You find it easy uh, to nas breathe nasally, nasally on right there. Yeah, um, again, that's something I've been I've been looking at and, and practicing. You know, people don't realize how how much goes into breathing. People just assume that you just yes, breathing you can just do it autonomously. It just happens and it's it's passive. However, you can complete, that's what I find amazing about the breath. Like it's both passive and completely controllable by you. It's like, you know, you can let it happen. Cool. Happen all day. Or you can then focus in on it and be like, okay, how am I breathing? Or, you know, where am I breathing from? Am I breathing through my chest or am I breathing through my diaphragm? Okay. So how much am I breathing through my diaphragm? Like, am I really getting the most amount out of it as I can? So I've done a lot of, a lot of reading about breath work. Um, but the cardio definitely helps up. And I try to like kind of purse my lips and you know, try to breathe through my nose because it's, it's much more difficult. Plus breathing through my mouth too much irritates my airways at the top and causes me to cough a lot more, which uh, is obviously not what I want to do. Um, One of the interesting things I've been trying a bit of training recently is um, almost doing exercises with like, because I did squats the other day and I didn't have a huge amount of weight available. So I ended up doing like slow eccentric and concentric reps with pause and also just doing nasal breathing only breathing and yep. it like instantly makes you so much more in tune with your body and also makes the exercise so much more difficult um, mm. because you're not breathing through your mouth and that's definitely something i'd recommend for people to give a go in particular for cardiovascular stuff works even better definitely um the other thing i've, I've, I've done and, and you know i have no problem saying this is that i've been much more strict with my treatments you know treatments for me Again, growing up, I was fairly healthy with my CF, um, so I didn't have to do as much, you know, nebulizer treatments or anything like that, or as much physio because I was so physically active. And my lung functions were always at such a high percentage that the doctors were like, "It's fine, you know, if you can get away with not having to do them, that's fine." But now, because of this, I'm now like carving that into my day that I have to get them done every single day, um, which is it's good. So it makes me not feel like a hypocrite whenever I'm telling people to do theirs. What will treat are they exactly? Um, yeah. So nebulizers. Um, so if anyone follows me on here, you, you'll occasionally see me putting up posts where I've got this like tube thing in my mouth. And that is essentially, so anyone who has asthma or ever has had asthma, the little inhalers, it's basically a more powerful version of that. 
So the first, I take two, two nebulizers. I take the first one, which opens up all the airways, and then the second one, which is ridiculous uh, even when I talk about it, it essentially breaks down the, it goes into, the, into my lungs. It then has a reaction with the mucus and it actually changes the mucus's DNA to make it a little bit more viscous. So it actually has a conversation with the DNA within the mucus to then be like, make it be like, do you want to be a bit more viscous, mate? That'd be great. So we can clear you out. Yeah, that's exactly how I imagine it happening. Um, so I take that every day. And then obviously whenever I then do, I try to do that before I take my, before I do my cardio. So then when I do my cardio, anything that may be stuck in my chest then is, is cleared up. Um, so yeah, being a lot more um, strict with that, which has been great. And that's, um, again, that's probably a good habit. It'll probably stand you in good stead post-corona, um, COVID-19 yeah. situation, which hopefully will be over in the next eight to 12 weeks or so. <laughs> hopefully. hopefully, yeah. And then the other thing that I'd say, I've, I've, um, it's not like particularly, you know, business-driven or anything like that, but I've been getting to, getting to speak to my friend more who lives in Canada. He's like one of my best friends. So we've been just chilling out, playing the PlayStation together. And that's the only way we can really chat because, you know, we don't want to sit on the phone with each other all day. And so what are you doing? You know, like... It's a very male been... thing, isn't it? I don't feel the same. I hate talking on the phone. I just feel... Yeah. Especially when you're just catching up. Yeah. It just feels like it's just, whereas if you're sitting playing the PlayStation together, you know, you're, you're doing something fun. You're still getting the catch up. You're finding out a bit more about their lives. And, and I, you know, a lot of people probably feel a lot of pressure to do a lot of productive things during this time. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. But if, if that is, you know, ultimately, as I said, you only get one turnaround in this life. And if that is me creating a better bond with one of my friend, one of my best friends, I'm, you know, I'm not going to fondly look back at reading a book. I'm going to fondly look back at, you know, speaking with my friend, having good times with him. So I think that's just as important for, for my mental health as well. Um, so yeah, that's something that I've been doing a little bit more of. 100%. Would you say that's one of your big methods you've been using to try and help with this situation? Because I know like a lot of people are really struggling in terms of being isolated and maybe being anxious about I don't know, finances, their fitness, uh, relationships. Probably People are probably at each other a little bit at home sometimes if you're in a small house. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people are probably struggling from that aspect. I think that probably you reaching out and like playing PlayStation, killing your mate and Call of Duty, whatever you're doing, uh, probably yep. really helps to like give you someone else to speak to because um, yep. no matter how much you love your wife like after three weeks of only talking to your wife you're probably like i could do this male like conversation here 100 percent, and yeah that, like it's helping me it's helping him you know it's then helping my wife because i'm you know not just talking to her yeah and, and, and the also the other thing is that it's another experience or it's another it's something that she didn't see because she's here. Everything that I see, she, typically she sees, or, you know, there's nothing new to, t- to tell her about. Whereas that, you know, I could be like, oh yeah, Callum told me about this thing he did. He lives in Canada in the middle of nowhere. Where, where in Canada was it? Is it? I, I actually nearly got stuck there during this situation. I had the world's shortest t- trip to Canada for two days and back. I'm serious? He lives, like, I'm not joking, it's in, like, there's no, it's not near any of the major cities. He lives in a community. Okay. So, so there's, yeah, with all like native Canadians. Um, but yeah, he, he like, he, he sent me a picture of his dog, Odin, was just eating a moose's like shin. <laughs> Someone had killed a moose 
How Canadian just, is that? <laughs> yeah, it made it's hilarious. So, you know, stuff like that, that gives me something to talk to Janice about, you know, that is that she didn't know about and, you know, so it's cool stuff like that. And, um, but I think I said, I've said this as well before, like, I've always been quite an open person when it comes to communication because in my head, like we as humans have this incredible gift that realistically any other species has. And that's this, the fact that the, the noises that are coming out of my mouth, you can understand and interpret, you know, obviously other creatures have the ability to communicate and all that stuff, but we have this unique ability and to not use that ability to tell people your situation whether good or bad, you're hamstringing yourself completely. It's like trying to write, you know, we've got, again, these incredible fingers that can do all these incredible things. It'd be like trying to write with a fist. It's stupid. Use the tools that you've got to the best of your abilities. So not speaking to people, not chatting to them, not, you know, getting out what you feel to me is, is, is such a waste of that, that gift that we've been given. So I, I've always been, you know, if I'm feeling something, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell someone. You know, and, and the the thing I find is that realistically, you're not alone with those emotions, you know, and then they'll resonate and they'll be like, oh, I don't feel as alone anymore. And yeah, so I, I would highly advise reaching out to people and finding ways that you communicate that, you know, aren't awkward, if you're, especially if you're a bloke. I think um, one of the interesting things, like I do some of the clients we work with, we've now increased is like doing group video calls. So we do that twice a week just because like, people are feeling more lonely than ever. So it's really nice just to like, even though a lot of these calls aren't even really fitness related, we're just chatting about like new habits we're having every week, what books people have read, what recipes people have tried, just to like create more human communication. Because unfortunately, uh, one of the big things that's gonna suffer from this situation at the moment is human interaction is at an all time low, like face to face. And although obviously it's not in person, it's better than nothing. and like even like this conversation here, I've really enjoyed like a male conversation again with someone else because as he said, like as much as I love my wife, when you're with them 24-7 for like three weeks, it's nice to talk to a guy about different stuff sometimes. Yeah, I agree. That's something that I've done as well, like having more group calls with my clients, just literally, you know, so most of them are, you know, I try to base it around some question. But then last week it was just like, right ask me whatever you want. Let's just catch up and, and see how everyone's doing. And I always say like, oh, you know, if, if people are in a rush or anything or, or people don't want to commit like an hour to this call, we'll make it half an hour. Mm. It always ends up an hour. And, you know, everyone at the end is like, they can easily chat for another, you know, an hour and a half. Um, but that, that's been cool. I've been enjoying that for sure. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maintain that because I look forward to seeing, you know, seeing everybody interacting with each other. And I think the the stronger the communication and the links you can create within the tribe that you have, the better. And even just in the group that you know, I have a Facebook group for all my clients, even the, the communication between them all now is far stronger than it was before we started doing those calls. But don't you think that's nice because of the same thing? Like what I, what I almost take huge pride from and I find is amazing is when you see people become, like other clients become friends with each other through you and then they support each other and then it's not just you they're looking for for accountability and support it's they're looking to each other and they're holding each other accountable which again just like adds another layer to guarantee them getting results yeah i I, the thing i always say it's like it's harder to fall when you've got people either side of you yeah 100 100 and to start to wrap things up then obviously we're doing this uh situation at the moment do you have any goals or aspirations of anything you're trying to get finished with this period like fitness or business related or anything in particular 
None that have changed. They've all just been, they've all remained consistent. As I said, my, I don't know if we said this before we started recording or not, but like my life hasn't really changed that much, thankfully. Other than those cinema trips. Yeah, I mean, I'm missing those nachos and hot nuts. Um, but the, no, everything's remained the same. I still want to be the best coach I can be. I still want to impact as many people's lives with CF and without CF as I can. I just want to help people. And, you know, not only that, but, you know, benefit from helping people because I think a lot of coaches you know you say that and then you're like I don't know if you're the same but there's that weird detachment for being a PT that <clears throat> you should feel bad about taking people's money for help and I'm, that's something I've always struggled with because I'm like especially working within the CF community I'm like I, I you know am I supposed to give away this information for free you know how should I treat this and you know should I feel guilty for asking for money for my help I was like, well, no. And that's something that I've, you know, I think I'll always struggle with, but now I realize, you know what? I spend all this time learning all the stuff I've learned. I spend all this time practicing what I'm preaching because I think that's so important and clearly you do too. You know, so why should I feel bad about, you know, asking for a financial investment in me as a coach? So I'm just basically doing all I can to ensure that I have no doubts in my head that <clears throat> their investment is worth it. And that's that's kind of always been the way I've, I've, I've treated it. It's one of those things, isn't it? Like, I felt very much the same, but I know you're the same as me. Like, I give away so much free information and knowledge like, yeah. that to, to the point where I almost can't give much more away. So, that if people are basically paying for my time to work for me directly, not more bespoke stuff, because yeah. um, in reality, like the general information, like yourself and you give away, is superb. However, like, everything needs to be specified to the individual because like you and me are both very different and everyone's different as an individual. So that's really the key here is like breaking things down specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And so most advice fits everybody, but it's not designed for anybody like anybody. That's what I've always said about gym equipment as well. It's built for everybody, but nobody. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's uh, you have to adapt training principles, nutrition, training equipment to the, body and biomechanics and systems you have that you're exactly. generally given. Um, to wrap things up, Ben, what's the best way for everyone to get in touch with you? Uh, either email me at ben at benmudge.com. Um, I've also got a cystic fibrosis website, which is specifically designed for people who have CF, who just want to educate themselves and get the best start in life if they're you know, a parent with a child with CF, um, or just learn as much as you can from me. So that's cfstrength.com. And then on Instagram, and that's at BenMudge underscore because someone has still got BenMudge. Bastard. Hasn't used the account in like five years, but ah uh, well. It's really fun. So um, thank you so much for that, Ben. Uh, I hope everyone's absolutely enjoyed and loved this episode. It's been a thoroughly enjoyable conversation and also some male interaction, which I haven't had much of recently. Um, <laughs> if you guys enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review on the podcast. I will pick you one person at random to win a free place on the next Shreddonate Sculptonate program at start 27th of April, which is a home workout program. If you want to buy a place, it's currently at 70% off at hashtag stay at home special as well at just £37 a month. So thank you so much, Ben. Absolute pleasure. And I hope you catch up soon. Yes, but appreciate it.